0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Kevin and H.J. podcast. Today, I have my good friend Andrew on as we talk about all the craziness that's been happening in the NBA over the past, I don't know, two weeks or so, literally right after the last podcast that we recorded about All-NBA. Like, things have gone off the rails. its It's been crazy so far.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, Kevin. Excited to have a natural conversation that we didn't have for 20 minutes before (laughs) your computer (laughs) crashed. No worries. We don't have to, Uh, you know, we'll just leave that one in for, for the fans. No, but it seems like, remember the good old days when it was like, Oh, Conley and Gasol are gonna get traded, you know. Uh, it feels like a million things have happened, and that's just the speed of the NBA now. It's Super Bowl week, and this is the biggest news. So you know, good for us, I guess, as fans of the NBA. And I know, people seriously, who like to talk about It's it. like
0: literally day after day. You kind of think like, what's gonna happen next? What's happening now? And you're, j- I'm yeah. like me. I'm like scrolling through yes. Twitter oh, and yeah. like Woj, Shams, like Zach Lowe, all these. guys guys that I'm following just like ready to uh, watch them break breaking news and it's incredible with all the things that have been happening so I mean the big story obviously um, we're recording this on a Friday and I'll put it up later um, today but yesterday Thursday we heard about Kristaps Porzingis getting traded and it came almost out of nowhere like it just Kind of like, I don't know where it came from, but it just bubbled up out of nowhere.
1: Yeah, so it's funny. I w- I'm in We're in our evidence class around 2 o'clock, and I see a tweet from Woj that says something along the lines of, Chris Depp's Porzingis and the Knicks management just had a meeting where Porzingis expressed his displeasure at the way things were being run, blah, 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 blah. About half an hour later, he tweets, the Knicks believe that Kristaps Porzingis wants to be traded, which is an interesting phraseology. Not he has requested a trade; he's left an impression, you know. Right, right. And they're going to look to move him before the trade deadline. By the time my next class started, I'm texting you saying Christaps Porzingis is a Mavs, and so. I'm I'm driving in my car <laughs> at this
0: point, and it pops up on my on my screen or whatever, and I'm I'm just going crazy, yeah, and. I, I was like, how did that happen in the span of one hour yeah. from, all right, they had a bad meeting and he's like, doesn't like the direction where the Knicks are going, to he's been traded? It, so it was crazy. No,
1: it is crazy. So why don't you give us the particulars of the trade and we can start to, because there are a million angles to, right. it's so hard to dissect this trade without. It was, we were, I was listening to Bill Simmons do a podcast on this yesterday, and I'm glad we actually had a day to kind of process it, Mm -hmm. because the initial reaction is just to be like, (laughs) <laughs> and like right, right. There are so many implications. It's the Knicks. It's p- this superstar player movement. It's AD, and k- it's Kevin Durant and Kyrie. There's so much tangled up in it. So why don't you give us the give us the particulars, and we can start breaking this thing down.
0: Right, so Christops ends up getting traded along with Tim Hardaway and Courtney Lee to the Mavericks for Dennis Smith Jr. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to say it without laughter, but... Y- Dennis Smith Jr., Wes Matthews, DeAndre Jordan, and then two future first round picks. Yes. I think the first one's a 2021 unprotected, and then a 2023 protected from one through ten. Yes. So it's initially when let me ask this first. Initially, when you heard about the trade going through and the the top line, top headline yeah. was Chris where is, is traded. What were your initial reactionslash thoughts as you were sitting in class?
1: Well, actually, it's funny, it's probably better if you tweeted me, Jesus Christ, what are the Knicks doing? Which I think was a lot of people's reaction. Right. And um the what's so interesting about this trade I think there is a very polarized reaction. I think this isn't uncommon now in the in with these NBA moves between the casual NBA fan and the kind of NBA nerds of of the world not to say one knows more than the other or whatever but I the top headline of the Chris cr- the Knicks just traded their best player in a generation that they've had since fill in the blank Carmelo is he arguably was he arguably a better yeah. asset than Carmelo? Whatever was, who's who's to say? But Carmelo or Patrick Ewing, I yeah. guess, is your <laughs> is your are your two <laughs> options there, and that is crazy. But I actually liked it even at the time as a qualified gamble for the Knicks, and I think the picks we didn't really know about the picks at the time, and we. Haven't talked about the picks yet at all mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, in any of our discussions, so I think that'll be. I think that was an interesting development. I think before the picks came in, it was much easier to say, kind of, that it was definitely like the Knicks got fleeced. I think was my right, right, initial right. reaction. But as time's gone on, my my opinions uh, shifted. Although it, w- I don't think it was as far at of an extreme as others possibly had to begin with. What about you?
0: Yeah, I mean. You showed some incredible foresight because I was kind of like like I texted you, Jesus Christ. I was like, what are they doing? what what are the Knicks doing trading Christops? And it's I think it's easy to get sucked into the headline of, oh wow, the Knicks traded the best player in the deal and they traded him away, yeah, effectively for cap space yeah um, to get rid of Courtney Lee and Tim Hardaway's contracts. So it's kind of it was kind of troubling for the I and I'm not even a Knicks fan yeah. but as a Knicks I can't even imagine what Knicks fans are feeling like when they initially hear that trade go go down and then as we had some time to decompress a little bit as I had some time to think about it I liked it a little bit more and more for the Knicks not to say I was in love with the deal I think it was a very how, how do you say it, kind of, it was a fair deal in, yeah. in, in some respects. Like, you see what the Knicks are doing and the direction that they want to go. And then, obviously, we'll t- get into this a little bit more with the Mavs, but we'll talk about how the Mavs are taking a risk on Kristaps coming off ACL injury exactly. as well.
1: And I think that's an underrated thing in this deal that people aren't necessarily picking up on, that both sides took on risk. As When we get to the Mavs side, we can talk about that. But let's talk about the Knicks side first, because I actually think the Knicks won the deal ever so slightly. Not, you know, like 55% to 45%.
0: I feel like that's controversial especially with some of the stuff the narrative that's yes, been going no, around. Yes, no, it probably well. is
1: a contrarian a contrarian take, but I think if this were anyone but the Knicks, this would be looked at and there's a caveat to to even the kind of hinkiness of it, but I think this would be looked at as like if Daryl Morey or someone who some other forward thinking the Spurs kind of mm-hmm. team did this the idea would be wow, what incredible foresight you know to do this like what a what a gutsy but like you know smart move because let's look at it this way they got off Tim Hart I mean wish we had the contracts pulled up but does Lee have a um, Lee and Hardaway both have one more year? No. For, so or two? Lee,
0: Lee has one more year after this year, yeah. and then Tim Hardaway has two years. after And they're this both year. signed to I don't know what exactly the numbers so are, but yeah, Courtney these, Lee signed th- like four years, fifty million, yeah. and then Hardaway had something like four years, seventy-five.
1: So what it would take in a vacuum to get rid, re- trade those players in the space to me would probably be two to th- three first-round picks they're also receiving two first pick first round picks and they're also receiving Dennis Smith Jr. so when you let's say he's worth two seconds so if you traded Kristaps Porzingis for four firsts and two seconds that's close to even a, in a vacuum, the protections and stuff would matter. But that's close to fair value to me, considering what's what's happened, yeah, what, and
0: what's if, happened to Chris Yeah, and I think that's an interesting way to approach the deal, in that yeah. just pure value-wise, like, you're signing Chris with four first-rounders or whatever, and then if you just do, like, the cost-benefit and all that, it kind of evens out in some ways. But I think the narrative of what's been going on in the media... Definitely does not see it like that at all.
1: No, but uh, b- because okay, let's let's now go at it from this angle. So the big thing there, the, you get Dennis Smith and you get two first round picks. But what you've now achieved by making this trade is you have two max free agent slots. And it's important to note that if they hadn't done the steal and stood pat, they wouldn't have had one max free agent spot. They mm. needed to get off some money. Period. Um. You know, through
0: Courtney Lee's contract yes, or, or Tim something, Harvick's. so yeah, you
1: were yeah. going to be giving that up in some in some way. So now we look at it from kind of what are the possibilities? They have these two free agent max slots. Now uh, everyone's now looking towards Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Um,
0: I mean Woj, what you Woj tweeted out that thing about Kyrie, or he retweeted Ian uh, Begley's report about how. Kyrie is, now this morning, he was asked about his Celtics future, and he pretty much said, ask me on July 1st. Yeah,
1: basically giving no reassurances all. A very non-committal answer. from his kind of
0: now famous slash
1: infamous statement to Celtics season ticket holders that I'm resigning, basically. Yeah, if I'm you want me here. back. Yeah, right. I'll be here for a long time, as long as you want me. Um, So... It's kind of interesting because you can't think about this deal without signing like the possibility uh, without starting to think about like what are the chances that KD and Kyrie or KD and some other free A- max free agent whether it be Clay Thompson, Kemba, whoever kind of are coming there. Um and we don't know and you know there's so much speculation as to that. What we do know the Knicks have is a chance at a number 1 pick. They're currently in that bottom 3 scenario right. and they're certainly going to they didn't get any better. We'll see what happens with DeAndre Jordan and Wesley Matthews. Buy out them I would yeah, you're trying to flip them for something but it's going to be very hard. Right. So buy out buy out looks likely. But you do have this pick that could be Zion Williamson, of course. It's important to note that given the luxu- the, lo- the lottery structure, they have as much of a chance if they finish with the worst, worst record as like the five pick as they do as the first pick. So the valuability of that asset kind of will depend on, on that.
0: Right, right. Um,
1: yeah. But yeah, the two free agent slots, they're kind of... They get a chance at a home run swing. So, what do you have to say about that kind of idea? Because I think the 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 their ability to win the deal depends on their their obviously that happening. I think we can both mutually agree if they sign Kyrie and KD, it's a win. It's a win. They win. But kind of the interesting part of this from the Knicks' perspective is what happens if that they're literally going for broke. Like it's like. Yes, we're going.
0: We're gonna hit a grand slam, and bring in KD and bring in Kyrie or bring in whoever, and really try to go for those two max slot guys, and then hopefully pair them with Zion Williamson, and those are our three guys going forward. Mm -hmm. Now. I think it's a very interesting way to look at it. And they're really, it's like a very positive way to look at it. And I think we could get into conspiracy theories like yeah. what Simmons was kind of talking about on his podcast. Does Nick's management have a direct back line into like Katie's, you know, Rich, Rich Kleiman and like Katie's people about Katie's coming? He's coming. Or Just, this is
1: what he wants you to do yeah, in order and to. If, f-
0: and if you do it, he's definitely yeah. coming. Or all the talk about, you know, like how quick this deal ended up being constructed, yes. like the timeline of as to like all the tweets that were being made from Wo- Woj was like, all right, two o'clock, the like they're in a fight, like Kristaps is yes. in a fight with management and expressing his displeasure with where Nick's management and Nick's decision makers are going with this team. And then probably 45 minutes to an hour later, he's shipped off to Dallas. So you kind of have to wonder and think, was this deal in place? Would Could they have gotten something better for KP? Yes. Like, all this type of stuff. Yeah. Now, putting that aside, like, putting all that controversi- uh like, the controversial type of stuff aside, there's... Other interesting avenues that this team can kind of take. And I think the it, option A is like that's what they're going yes. for. Now, I, I think option B and C are far more interesting in terms of exploring. So, option B is literally them being stuck in the middle. And they then do
1: what you would think the Knicks would do, which is like you sign Tobias Harris to a max and then a bunch of other, you know, middling, t- middling <laughs> contracts. Right. Yeah.
0: And basically redo what they just traded away in yeah. terms of signing players like Tim Hardaway and signing players like Courtney Lee and giving them outsized $15 million contracts uh, to average to middling players. Though, now, that would be disastrous for Knicks fans, but in terms of what Knicks fans have to go off of and in, in terms of what the Knicks management has shown in in their decision-making, that's all they have to go off of. So they, I, I'm sure a lot of Knicks fans are freaking out about yes. not trusting management into making the right, correct, disciplined... Um, approach in their decision making yes yeah
1: uh, can i uh, let me outline what i think that option c is and when i say i think the knicks won the deal it's they'll win the deal if they go for option a and that's a a legitimate possibility and it's predicated on them going to option c or option z for zion maybe (laughs) if you want to call it that edit that out later um that if you swing and miss on these guys, what you need to do is now use your blank space to basically become the Atlanta Hawks, the Process Era Sixers, which is builds around Zion Williamson in a very long term fashion, like i.e., five taking, years. Yes, i.e., taking on money now, taking on bad contracts, acquiring assets, and you know building like, this team the right way, which it right. looks like they were on the way to kind of doing. Obviously, they had Chris Epps Porzingis, possibly, in the, in that plan, but doing that. And it's hard to believe, I understand why it's hard to believe that they would do this. Because, obviously, you know, I'm going on and on about how great it is to get off Tim Hardaway's money. It's important to realize Tim Hardaway wasn't a holdover from the, kind of, the previous, the, you know, previous era. Um, the Phil Jackson era. He was signed by Perry and Mills there who was, who made this trade. So they're undoing their own mistake. It's not like someone coming in and cleaning up after right. the old guys. This is like the, th- I spill a bunch of, you know, juice on the, on my white carpet and I pay a hundred dollars to have someone, like I pay $500 to have someone clean up the juice. It's, you it's know basically I mean?
0: cl- they're, What they're doing with this deal is cleaning up their bad mess from previous deals like they made in Courtney Lee and Tim Hardaway. If they they never made those deals with those free agent players, they would never be in this position. They would never be in this position to be selling off on an asset like KP and kind of basically selling him off at his lowest point. Because they want to open up cap space. Yeah. Now, do I think the Knicks did what they thought was probably the best thing they could do in terms of the position they were at? Pro- probably. Like, they probably were like, well, he's not happy. He It's unlikely yes. he's looking to re-sign yeah. because he's already restated that he's going to sign the qualifying offer with Dallas, and we could kind of get into that, <laughs> too. Where it just goes layers and layers and layers. Yeah, more. I think we
1: can use KP as as a bridge to as a bridge to um, the Mav side of this and talk about what we think KP's intentions are, what he actually said to the Knicks. But before we do this, because this is a point you made to me, and now I'm gonna make the better point you made the okay. last time we talked. Yeah, this is a great illustrate on the flip side of what the Knicks have been and now what they had to do to clean up after themselves. And there's an argument of. Was this the best way to go about this? That's mm-hmm. a. But now you see the flip side, which is that it pays as an orga- organization to keep your books clean, have a couple assets hanging in the in the cellar, and having you know the the flexibility to make a move like this when it arises. The Mavs are they're a good organization they're not th- thought of as maybe in the same vein as like someone like the Spurs or someone like that mm-hmm. but for example my favorite team the Portland Trailblazers, wouldn't have been able to make this deal because they're tied up in in Cat- kind of long term salary Myers- so <laughs> it's you know it's a it's an exercise in like two sides of the coin kind of good management <laughs> and you know keeping yourself open and able to able to make deals and the flip side of having to get yourself out of a mess because of mistakes you've made and not having kind of the long-term future in mind.
0: Right. And just think of teams that are like, in a lot of these trade talks, like Boston's name always pops up. Like the Spurs are always like lurking or in the mix, like trying to sniff around deals. Even Brooklyn now with their new management, they've kind of like had, they've, they've done a good job with the model that they have in terms of taking on bad assets and then kind of um, requiring teams to attach good things to those bad assets. And I think that's what the Knicks really need to do if they don't, if they strike out with option A, like we outlined with Kyrie and signing KD.
1: Yeah. So with that, I think an aspect of this, like, that we haven't even plumbed yet is what exactly was going on between KP and the Knicks? Was this something that was bubbling under the whole time? Because the quickness, which with, with which this deal went down kind of suggests that, that there was something else going on. And Zach Lowe had a very good tweet saying underrated in all of this. Everyone thinks the Knicks, even me who thinks the Knicks did a, did a good job with this deal. They, they, didn't sell especially high. So was there something going on? Was there something reaching ahead? What, what's your take on well, that? Well, my
0: take on it is something must have been amiss. Like, they, they seem to, like, it seemed like Chris Stops wanted to come back this year. The Knicks wanted to hold him out because they're bad and they want to tank for yeah. Zion Williamson. And that's not a secret at all. And... They're trying to do the right thing by tanking, but it really pissed off Kristaps in terms of the direction as to where this team is going. It just seems like a rudderless team that doesn't have any direction at all, and Kristaps is their star-prized player that sees nothing happening with this team and no no future with this team, and I'm sure he's probably expressed his thoughts to management before, and they just really haven't listened to what he had to say. And it's it had to be strained for a little bit in terms of the relationship because I can't imagine this trade package being in place and the particulars of it in 30 minutes. Yeah, it, se- it it's, seems it's, crazy. It's kind of wild. And yeah. then Zach Lowe even had that tweet about... Yeah, hey, just like, that
1: expressing th- the idea that kind of... Maybe Porzingis has been kind of griping all along right, and right, finally right. had enough. It's important to mention Kristaps Porzingis is one of the is just an interesting uh, he seems like a good guy, but his agent is his brother. Right. There are these kind of quirks about him. So another quirk we can get into, and then I think after we do this we can turn to the Mav side of things. Uh-huh. The interesting thing about this in the kind of lineage of players getting fed up and demanding a trade is that Kristaps Borzingis wasn't about to become an unrestricted free agent. He was about to become a restricted free agent. Right, right. And what that means in NBA parlance, basically, let's—did I do? A, let's see if I can do a good, good job of yeah, explaining yeah. this. After your rookie deal, you become a restricted free agent. This means that you're free to—you can basically do two things, three things. One, you can negotiate an extension with your current team. Cool. Most most players, most players end up doing, doing that because it's most financially Two, lucrative. Two, exactly. Two, you can sign an offer sheet with another team. Basically, I sign with you know team X, and th- I sign with team Y to a deal, and then team X, my current team, can match it. Basically, saying, okay, we'll just sign you to that deal, and we're keeping you. Basically, you ha- you cannot force yourself into leaving it ultimately rests with with your current team the third thing you can do and what Porzingis, I suspect, was threatening to do with the Knicks, and now it's a question of whether he'll do that with the Mavs. And it's been
0: reported that he's still going to go through it, through with it with the Mavs. I have to
1: say, it's ka- Shams re- said right, right. he's going to do it, and then Woj kind of pushed back with a report saying he's weighing his options. So right. it's an interesting thing to keep an eye on. And when we turn to the Mavs, I think we can talk about whether we think he'll do that or it would be prudent for him to do that. Taking the qualifying offer basically means I'm go what I, rather than going through this whole process of negotiating a new contract, I'm going to take a one year deal for slightly more than my current rookie deal mm-hmm. is. So, say for Porzingis, it's like one year twelve million or something like that. One yeah. year nine million, one year twelve million, and so I'm going to do this instead. Take a one year deal with you, and then after that. I become an unrestricted free agent, meaning I'm free to do whatever I want, sign with whoever I want. So you're giving up a lot of long-term security for a one-year flyer to then be able to do whatever you want, which would be pretty much unprecedented for someone in Porzingis' situation, Mm -hmm. especially given his injury history. So with that, why don't we turn to... to the Mavs, Mavs, who have now just acquired Kristaps Porzingis to to play with Luka Doncic. Why don't you? I think you're a huge fan of Luka. Yeah. Why don't you? I want to hear your positive. Give me the. I mean, give I mean, me this rosy sky version of what this is for. The, because it is objectively
0: yeah. very cool. If you're yeah. a Mavs fan, ideally, you be excited. Ideally, this is like the perfect fit next to Luka. You have a big man who's ultra talented on the defensive end of the floor and he can give give you 20 points a game. He and he stretches the floor so they they can do pick and roll, pick and pop. The it's it just on the court, it, it's a perfect match between both of those players. And having Luca being a 6 like can you m- imagine that pick and roll play like Luka's 6869 and then KP's 73 and like what two players are going to be able to stay with those guys in a pick and roll situation. It's it's mind-boggling the the possibilities they have. And then if you surround them with shooters around those guys, like it's a de- it can be a very deadly offensive team. Now it 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 is rosy because like all the other stuff like if they sign KP to a long-term deal, you have your two top guys for 5 five years or so and then let's say hopefully stays healthy all of that type of stuff then there's possibilities that they can draw a third star maybe after they get off the books with uh Courtney Lee and Hardaway in two years so it becomes a lot more attractive that this is their team and and Cuban has been looking for this post um I would say like post 2011 since they won yeah. or whatever. Yes. So like this is something that he's been trying to recreate, and he's never really had like two bona fide stars like that. That championship completely team completely agreed was Dirk, and then a bunch of really overqualified yeah, the role pl- players. Best player was Tyson Chandler probably, right? right. And then Jason Terry and Jay- like yeah. they weren't players that were star star players. And now he has two of those guys. Um, if if KP stays healthy, like, I think he did what he really wanted to do in terms of acquiring an asset that is is when healthy. And this is, like, the preface to everything because I think what a lot of people aren't stressing enough is – this guy is seven foot three. He has an ACL injury. He's had injury concerns in the past yes. with other injuries yes. as well. I saw a great injuries. Ringer
1: article today by Kevin O'Connor where he kind of runs down this. Li- the good thing is he's mostly been on the court. He's definitely played more than seventy five per- of up until the ACL injury. It was, he was nothing was on the court more than like seventy percent of the time. I would say right. But
0: there's a very hi- big history of like a bunch of different stuff happening to right. Him. I mean, it's not as big of a concern as what Joel Embiid was going through, no, I, I don't but think. The, and the
1: ACL is a huge concern, especially for
0: a guy who's built built like him. Exactly. So I'm that's what I'm worried about. And because sometimes, like, ACL, you, ha- you have to worry about your lateral movement as well. And he's someone that likes to play on the perimeter as a bigger guy. So he's going to have to move laterally yeah. as well. So I'm, I think that's, like, a big if. To the whole trade package, because if he's injured, if he starts having this label of being injury prone, that can spell real trouble for Dallas because they took on two contracts that are not are going to hamstring them for the next couple of years um, in Courtney Lee and Tim Hardaway. Agreed. So let me – I pretty
1: much agree with everything you said. One other interesting note just on the, like, basketball side of things is Mm -hmm. I think um, the Mavs and Rick Carlisle and kind of the way this team is constructed will finally give Porzingis the chance to play at the spot most basketball – people agree is his best spot the five Mm -hmm. i think he'll finally get a chance to really play there i think in uh kind of like him and clee even just as of right now like him and clebo would be a very interesting front line Mm -hmm. clebo being more of kind of a role guy who can kind of protect the pain and stuff like that and porzingis being a little bit more perimeter oriented
0: Kleber's number uh numbers uh defensively are really good analytically. Yeah, Yeah,
1: that would be a very stout front line. I do want to push back a little bit on them being the perfect pick-and-roll combination. Okay. I think... in those a perfect pick-and-roll combination, like, there's not enough... Neither of them are good enough pure... They're both good, believe Uh me. Don't get me wrong. But they're both more perimeter-oriented. I think, theoretically, a perfect pick-and-roll combination would have kind of someone who's really amazing finishing, and Uh neither of them are really amazing. Although, Donchich can finish, don't get me wrong, and and so can KP. But I do agree as just a pure two-man game, that it... You're salivating at the prospect of that. But I think you've started to outline, just as with the Knicks, that there is a chance this could go absolutely
0: horribly wrong. And does that, and before you continue, does that make you start to question maybe the Knicks know something that other teams don't know on the medical side of things that it? it's a little worse than we thought? Or there, or do you think it's just kind of... I call think it a wash. Okay. I, I
1: really can't make a determination right, right, one right. way or the other. I'm going to take him wanting to come back and the Knicks being the Knicks, like enough to cancel it out. Right. And we'll probably get an answer relatively soon as to whether... They're talking, back they're talking about they're whether talking he about starts,
0: whether he plays this season or yeah, not. They're talking does about he, later in February, yeah, maybe March. Yeah, does he
1: come back? And the Mavs try and make a playoff push, and we could get an answer, start to kind of see that relatively quickly. I yeah,
0: think. Yeah, and there's no incentive for or there, there's no incentive for the Mavs to just stay in the lottery because they don't have their picks. No. so it's really their only incentive to
1: not play KP is if they want to take the more conservative a, right, approach. Right, yeah, right. basically. So I, I think that's, that's definitely uh, a, good, a good point to raise. But you've started to kind of outline those concerns about his injury history. And I think that's important to, to think about because he's so this kind of we can kind of tie a bow on the qualifying offer thing. He would be insane to me to take the qualifying offer given his injury history because yeah. he can sign a pretty I think I think actually for all the shit we've kind of given Bill Simmons on this podcast. He had a good tweet that kind of like outlined what what his what he would be giving up. Uh I just think it's important to get that out there because I'm going to operate under the assumption that he's not going to take the qualifying offer. Basically, okay. Qualifying offer for 2019 to 2020. 20, yeah. 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 It was way less than I even said. 5.7 million for one year. Yeah, that's crazy. Dallas extension, 125 to 130 million range yeah. for four years. Yeah, it would be insane. It for would him be to, wild yeah, so to turn it so down. So unless something really goes wrong and the Dallas management bungles it, I think I think it should be okay. So that's not a it, that's a big commitment to be making to Porzingis. And for the time being, once you sign him to that extension, you mentioned the third star. Yeah, but you got to table that for two years. Right. You're tied up. Your team basically is what it is. And this team, as currently constructed, isn't a perfect team no, by any... any not. any. Who's their point guard? I guess Doncic <laughs> is going to be doing more right. ball handling. You know, you're basically kind of... You need to play Hardaway and Lee, basically. Yeah, yeah. For this team to work. So mm-hmm. as it's not like, oh, we have them and now we can build the team around them. It's going to be difficult to do that. Yeah. Of course the upside is is still huge, but it's but that's um that that kind of you can't act like this is their kind of Blueprint, a la what the Knicks could theoretically do, where you now build around them. This is you're you. There are a lot more fixed pieces than people I think realize. Yeah,
0: and I think the Mavs are obviously hoping KP comes back to to form and into shape and everything. But yeah. the I think their expectation is the real huge jump slash growth that yes. Luka Doncic makes, and sure he becomes elite, elite. Yeah, like one of the top five to ten players in the league agree and that's the expectation and the curve that they kind of project him out to be and hopefully that in the next couple years he's able to show that because he's averaging 25 six and five right now it's it's pretty crazy what he's doing as a rookie and with with that paired with someone that can average twenty and eight or whatever twenty twenty and eight and then two and a half blocks a game, I mean that's that's two really good foundational pieces to build around, especially with them being so young. Like Doncic is nineteen, I think KP is like twenty three or twenty four, I believe around or like twenty four, twenty five around that age. So it's not like. They have a good amount of time. This could be their team for the next five to ten years or so. Yeah, built around these two players. No,
1: agreed. But let and now I com- I agree and I think that's arguably the more likely scenario. But there is a uh, another possibility, which is that you sign Porzingis to a gigantic extension. Mm-hmm. Um, he's injury prone. He's not what he was. You know, whatever. If that becomes a bad contract. It's going to be tough, especially for the short term, considering that you're going to have Hardaway and Lee on the book. So y- if Porzingis becomes bad salary, you're going to have a lot of bad salary. And remember, you gave up two picks that aren't hi- that highly protected. That unprotected pick, if Porzingis isn't great. Who knows where that can end up? You're right about Doncic and, and his growth. And then that, to me, I'm kind of concerned about that that 2023 pick. The good thing is, low as per Zach Lowe, it's top 10% 10 10 protected in 2023, 2024, or 2025. And if they haven't received the first by 2025, they get a second, basically. Okay. But it's a possibility where if Porzingis isn't what you think he is, you're hamstrung in the cap. And And you give up two lottery picks, basically. You give up two picks at 14. And that's a pretty shitty situation. The worst-case scenario maybe isn't as bad as the next worst-case scenario is. Uh But it's not that far off.
0: And they're just going all in on Doncic. They're like, all right, Doncic. Which I think is fine. Which is fine. You're our savior, and we're giving you this nice little... Uh, piece on the side and see what you can do with it. And the important thing to think about from the Mavs' perspective also
1: is it wasn't some binary option between, like, Porzingis or someone else. Like, the Mavs haven't really shown an ability... They've always tried, but they haven't really shown an ability to attract another marquee free agent. So Uh it's very possible that they're looking at this crop of free agents or they're kind of looking down the road and they're going... (laughs) I think our best chance to get someone, this a top 20 NBA player to pair with, Doncic, is right now. So from that perspective, I certainly can't fault them for, for going all and the, in.
0: The good thing is they're relatively on the same timeline in terms of age. So yeah. they can kind of grow together yeah. on this team. So I, I feel like that's enough in terms of talking about what the Mavs have done in the trade or what they got in the trade. Just overall impressions about the trade. And, like, I I, I kind of want to go back a little bit to okay. what the Knicks have in terms of play a little bit of, like, <laughs> revisionist history. Like, and do you think the Knicks could have gotten something else out of what they got, in, got out of KP? Because it was... I think a lot of Knicks fans are obviously disappointed with the package they got in terms of the expiring deals or anything. Do you think there was a deal out there? I mean, Simmons was throwing around the idea about Sacramento. Um, there were reports earlier this week, and we could transition to this now about Anthony Davis, mm. and that's the ne- that's sure. the next domino to fall as well. Like. Was I don't think that was ever a possibility either. I
1: don't know. Well, I was big on the train. The train of we talked about this the other day. I, <laughs> I was big on the train of, the Knicks should offer AD and their. I mean KP and their pick for AD. Mm-hmm. So if and that I was on the table, I think that was a superior option. Um, and I think that would have been the best deal on the board for uh, for New Orleans. What I hadn't really started to consider and what people have brought up was, like, would KP's possible unwillingness to go there ham- hamstring that possible deal or something like that? But I think that would have been a good offer, and I think that would have been something they, they should have done. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we go completely into AD, though, and you, what, what was your – you kind of were shaking your head or starting to – you seemed like you weren't buying that.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think New Orleans would have done the deal in that. You'd rather, you
1: wouldn't rather have that than the poo poo. Let's pretend the pick's completely unprotected. Mm. You'd rather have the, I'd rather have that than pretty much yeah. anything other than the Celtics offering Tatum. Yeah. I'd definitely rather have that than That's the Lakers. That's probably true. Yeah. I'd definitely rather have that than the yeah, Lakers. Yeah, and I deal. guess New
0: Orleans' is thought was what is KP going to. What yeah, that like aspect what is, is he gonna that's do? That's kind of the part that I hadn't stuff. completely considered yeah. yet. But in in a in a
1: vacuum, I thought it was something worth worth offering, and I don't know and if exploring. the Knicks yeah, did yeah. that or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So I feel like we've kind of exhausted talking about. Well, this did you? Chris
1: you said the KP thing about what else could the Knicks have gotten for him, and I guess that's kind of the the lingering question mark when we look away. from from this. Yeah. I think there's interesting stuff league wide. Maybe we can circle back to it at the end. Does the NBA have a problem on their hands with player movement now that the Too seal of player un- movement. Yeah, yeah, now that the seal of an un- a restricted free agent moving. I think is another interesting question. We could yeah. put on our lawyer hats and try and fix the CBA at some point. That would be an interesting exercise. But because of how quick the deal went down, we never really found out what those other offers were. Right, right. Were the other offers like oh, well, Miami will give you Josh Richardson or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's not appealing. W- which right. I don't know if it, but, y- you know, something where you're get w- or were there possible young players on the table? We don't yeah. really know, so it's kind of hard to judge it compared to other things. Yeah,
0: and I think the implications that you touched upon with the CBA in terms of there being too much player movement, I think that's something that we can, on a later podcast, <laughs> obviously, because yeah. we have a lot of other stuff to talk yeah. about, that would be very interesting to explore because I think the CBA kind of swung too far this way now because of what happened in the 90s and the early 2000s with these young kids coming out of college, signing these massive, massive seven yeah. to 10-year deals. And and they swung the other way s- to protect the franchises to not make bad deals. So so you wouldn't have the Knicks giving out seven-year, $100 million deals to, like, unworthy players and protects the franchises in that way. But then it also isn't giving the franchises enough leverage in positions where, like, if you're in New Orleans, like, I would have given AD, like, eight eight years for, like, some yeah. ungodly number, yes. number of money. So it's... It's like a catch twenty two and it I think it's it's almost like the old model really rewards the teams that are very smart about keeping their cap clean. Yeah. And and then from this point of view it, it's like you can make a little bit more mistakes and not be super hamstrung by this one deal. Yeah. Um so it'll be interesting to break that down a little bit more. Let's transition to Anthony Davis because yep. That's the next domino to fall, and (laughs) this feels like it was like a month ago. But (laughs) this was like earlier this week or last week, where Anthony Davis ends up going to management for New Orleans and requesting a trade, and all the all the trade deals are out. Like it's been explored to death on ESPN. I know that's why it's so funny. So. Yeah. Right, right. It's been explored to death on like all the websites. All like There's not much of a fresh take that I feel like I can bring to it. I'll, I don't know if you had a fresh take to it. No, I was
1: just going to run down real quick. If for some reason a casual NBA fan or someone who, you know, my friend Kevin Tanzi or someone like that who might know that AD wants to be traded but doesn't know what the kind of idea is. All signs are kind of pointing to the Lakers right now as to AD's preferred destination. Um,
0: He hasn't explicitly come out and said it, but it's kind of in the ether No, yes. And the structural,
1: and even beyond that, the structural reason of things pointing to LA right now is because the Celtics currently can't trade for him due to this thing called the Rose Rule where if you trade for one player on a certain type of contract... Kyrie Irving is one of those players. Mm-hmm. You can't trade for a second player until a certain, a certain date or something. Right, along right. The, or now, well, because Kyrie would be coming off the books and you'd be re-signing him, him under some other... Bird yeah. rights, yeah, yeah. So because of that, it's widely known that the Celtics have probably the best package. Mm-hmm. So as I'm starting to say this, I'm already starting to kind of bore... It's funny how it like became stale. Yeah, it because became it's, it's just like so talking
0: quickly. points of... like. Now, I think the interesting thing is LA has this time frame right now where they're at their most advantageous yeah. to to make a deal right now because if they don't make this deal right now, they fall back from being the front runners to getting A D to possibly them getting burned like what happened to them with Paul George and with uh um, who else am I thinking of? Paul George. And I guess they
1: sat out on Kawhi. Right, right. I mean, and you Ka- could the 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 kind of narrative that it's interesting just how narratives flow and change. I feel like it's like just shifted from like they're being patient, they're Bob you know, they're uh-huh. gonna take their time to now it being like they have to do something. You know what I mean? It, right, it's right. It's kind of interesting. So why don't we play it this way real quick? Since the late at this point, it's g- do you think it's the Lakers or he doesn't get moved at the deadline, or do you yeah. think any dark yeah. horse teams still have possibilities? Well, I don't at think there's point. a
0: good enough deal from a dark horse team that would appeal appeal the Pelicans to make a deal. Um, I mean, we threw around the Portland Trail Blazers. Yeah, and all but you could stuff. do
1: that with a lot of. You Other can do teams, this with yeah. pretty much anyone. You there's can do a lot. It.
0: Right. It's basic. The best package is going to be like the best young player on your team. Yes. And then paired with a, another maybe rotation piece. And yeah, you then can do
1: this with Toronto. You can do it with the Nuggets. You can do it with, with with pretty much any team that's okay.
0: Yeah, and I think what's what's having teams hesitate to do this now is because AD has kind of put it out there that he's just gonna go to the Lakers um, when his contract is up and. In a year and a half, and that's ba- basically cautioning a lot of teams from making a deal. Like in Boston too. Now, now with the news that Kyrie's like kind of non-committal to them, they're kind of making. It's hard for them to make this deal because I don't. I'm not sure if AD ends up staying if Kyrie leaves this summer.
1: So let's. I, I think there are two pot two avenues to go down. Let's. Here's number one. You're uh, congrats, Kevin. You're Rob Polinka. What are you? What's your? What are you doing right now? Are you just offering? Are you just calling? Because I think they can't. People, I think they can't offer to mess around. They can't afford to mess around. I'm if literally I'm offering Palenka, everything. I'm calling him right now and offering the best deal I can put together, which means Lonzo, Ingram. Kuzma, Ingram, and Hart, and just go all in. Picks Zubac if you want him. What. A- Giving him whatever he wants, basically. I don't think they can afford to do this, like messing around, like, kind oh, of play hard. Oh, choose two out of the yeah, four guys. exactly. Like, or like we'll start work. here. Like yeah. if I'm Del Demps, I'm going. All right, right. and up, <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And
0: then I, I mean, the structure of management in New Orleans is very interesting. So too. yeah,
1: the flip side is you're your boy Del Demps. Yeah, yeah. What's your thought? Tell me what your thought process is, and I'll try and poke holes in it. Well,
0: my thought process is. Del Demps is maybe on shaky yes. footing there, and maybe does he have final control or final say as to what he wants in the deal? Um, does that bump up to Mickey Loomis or Gail Benson? Well,
1: there's interesting reporting just on that, that Gail Benson's actually kind of like spearheading this like pro... Like, I think it was in a Woj report that Gail Benson basically doesn't want him to go AD to go to the Lakers, that she's kind of leading this petty oh, movement I love it. that's yeah. coming I out love right now. Though.
0: Yeah, so it's... I mean, I think there's all that type of stuff. But if I'm Dell Demps, I'm trying to make a team... Uh, get a player that's somewhat relevant and that can help the team grow. They still have Drew Holiday. I don't know how invested he's gonna be with Anthony Davis leaving the team now but don't you like some of the players like the other you know the Pascal Siakam deal from Toronto or even like the CJ McCollum deal like like we're throwing around sure. all those types of deals but you can leverage the most out of the Lakers I feel like at this point yeah and you're literally asking for everything you're just asking for give us those four four guys give us picks like in like 3 years or whatever and see if we can like hopefully it implodes lebron retires and like they're not as good and then they you swap picks and all this stuff like mm-hmm. basically ask for what the nets ended up doing doing in that horrible deal looking back now with boston and just kind of asking for all of it and then if you If you don't get the deal that you want, you could say, all right, we're not just, we're not going to trade him during the trade deadline or before the trade deadline. We'll wait till the summer. We'll have Boston come in. And I think this is where the interesting thing comes in. Yeah.
1: I wanted to wait. I was kind of waiting for you to get there because I just wanted to make the case. It seems like everyone's, and I tend to agree, it seems like everyone who talks about this is now like they treat waiting as like guaranteed if you wait, you're guaranteed to get as good of a deal of, as you would make now. And if that's not better. questionable. I'm not so sure. Questionable. I'm afraid, because here's the thing about waiting. If you wait, you're cutting out all the Portland's and the, and the Toronto's of the world. Because me for someone like just as a blazer fan, I would be willing to give up CJ McCollum, Yusuf Nurkic, whatever you want other than Damian Lillard to get him to get AD now. Even if I know for a hundred percent fact, he's He's not coming back because I'm getting two playoffs out of him. If you wait until the summer, that's not happening and you're, starting to dwindle down towards just Boston and the Lakers. And, and that maybe that, Philly, and if maybe, they throw sure, in Simmons or sure, whatever. And yeah. they, that's the trump That's card. possible. But I'm just not, I'm just keep eyeing Boston. And I don't see, the only way the Boston the blow away offer is the blow-away offer, blow-you-away offer, is if Tatum's included. And I think if you hold this out and more and more starts to come out and AD starts... Making the Laker noise stronger and stronger and stronger. I don't know if you're gonna get Tatum. I don't know if you're gonna get that Godfather offer from right. from the Celtics. And then so you I start th- worrying
0: yeah. about like the Lakers starting to take sure. away things. Like, oh, now just choose two out of the four yeah. guys or whatever, and we'll or two out of the three the three main pieces in the deal, and we'll see what we can do. Because then it's become. Then it'll become this thing of the Lakers and Bo- uh, the Celtics bidding against each other, but knowing that they don't have to bid that much to get Davis because Davis is kind of holding the holding it. I don't know the talks in hostage yeah. because he's like, I'm threatening to go to the Lakers if, even if I go to Boston for this year. I'm going to the Lakers no matter what, and that's like the whole Paul George thing. And maybe Boston just. I think the psychology of Boston is they might m- just make the deal, honestly, because they lost out on Paul George. They lost out on all these guys. I
1: agree with that, except for Tatum. I don't think they make the deal with, with Tatum. Tatum. And that's why it's an interesting... like This is almost like an economics argument, like a kind of prisoner's dilemma right, right. type type thing.
0: And I, I think it's really interesting with like Tatum's value and how people yeah. rate his value. Because, let's face it, on the court this year, he has... He hasn't improved. Like, he's been the same as yeah. what he was his rookie year. Maybe even a little worse, honestly. Agreed. Um, and maybe that's because of chemistry fit, introducing in, introducing back Gordon Hayward, um, trying to balance what Kyrie Irving did. Or it could just be him. Or it could just be him, yeah. So, are, are Celtics fans and league-wide people just maybe overvaluing him a little bit and it's possible. and it, it makes sense to have like someone like Bill Simmons be like yeah Jason Tatum's amazing and have his like perceived value around the league be worth so much more than what he was I mean th- they were talking about all this stuff about like trading for Kawhi whether or not they should include Kawhi, um, Jason Tatum in that deal and the jury's still out on that too like I don't know. I think if you could get a top three guaranteed player right now and if you have Kyrie Irving this year for the summer, it would be very tough for Anthony Davis to leave that situation where he can have the next five years of competition with Kyrie in in the Eastern Conference to to go to the more competitive, competitive Western Conference and basically team up with LeBron. And LeBron's going to be you know on his last legs honestly like i think he'll be 38 by then and we'll see what ends up happening if lebron at 38 and i mean i wouldn't doubt what he can do in the playoffs and what ad can do like i i'm not sure is that enough to win the win the championship
1: so okay two things and then and God, then maybe we can move on cuz i don't want to yeah, talk yeah, yeah. in circles but just to to cl- the thing about the cl- to close the door on the Tatum thing. I actually agree with you on the perceived value and stuff like that. But the thing is that quit the the kind of thing as the further and further we go on, what what regardless of his value, the question of whether they'll need to offer him or not, the longer you drag it out if you're Boston when you think about it, arguably the less of a chance you right. have because it really depends. Is uh, their best? Is the Celtics' best offer without Tatum better than the Lakers' and offer? And I think that's questionable. And if it is, you're good. And if it's slightly worse, and they just don't want to trade him to L.A., you're good. Yeah. And once everything drops out, you win because there's no one left, and the. The Pelicans are going to want to get something out of him. Yeah. So I think and uh, Ainge's ability to read those things can't be underestimated. And the one other thing on the Tatum thing is, sure, the AD Kawhi thing, the AD, the AD uh, Kyrie possibility is huge, and getting AD as a magnet to keep Kyrie. Right. That ability, because just the way things will line up, you can mm-hmm. acquire him and then kind of re-sign Kyrie. That matters, and just but the difference between, regardless of how good Tatum is, the difference between Kyrie Ad, everyone else, and Kyrie Ad Tatum as a third option, I think anyone would admit like right. he'd be an incredible third option. Yeah, that would on, be on a ridiculous. Yeah, is is that gap is important to right, right. think I about? I think we're as pretty well. much in
0: lockstep with yeah. each other in terms of like, yeah. Like LA wants him. But I, I don't agree. Know.
1: We don't want him to go to the Lakers. Yeah, I don't want I don't him to want go him to, to the go, Lakers. I don't want it's, him to go. It would be kind of bullshit, to be honest with you. Yeah. Because basically what they've done over the years, they've l- lucked into all these... They've kind of locked into LeBron. They've mm. lucked into all these draft picks. They haven't even done a good job of drafting. Yeah. And they're going to get the best one of the best players in the NBA yeah. for nothing. I think that's kind of the way I see it and why I think being you will twist ourselves into
0: knots to kind of... Let's go Gail Benson and stay strong. (laughs) Basically, stay strong, Gail Benson, and hopefully you just have the wherewithal to kind of not trade him to the Lakers. So hopefully she's making the final decision on that one. So what me and Andrew actually really intended on... Which is
1: I'm very, very excited to to, to do this. So
0: the, the intention of this podcast was to actually... Draft our all star teams as LeBron, as one of us. So I'll be LeBron in this case, and Andrew's going to be Giannis, and we would just draft our all star teams. Um, because the reserves were announced yesterday. Yeah. And we we're planning earlier in the week, we'll talk about a little bit about A D, but most of the podcast will be about this. And then the c- whole Christoph's porcingus kind of threw a wrench into those plans. But we really wanted to do this because I thought it would be really fun yeah. and a, a fun thought exercise to yeah. kind of do in terms of what we would be going for. Um choosing this team yeah and we so, can we can yeah, do you want to outline the parameters i was going or? to
1: yeah i was going to do uh, yes so the way it works lebron as the top vote you kevin mm-hmm. woo lebron as the top vote getter in the nba will have the first pick so me and you will alternate until we pick all of the starters the people who were voted as starters out of the east and west I'll just run down who those people are real quick. Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Paul George, Joel Embiid, Kawhi Leonard, and Kemba Walker. And following that, that'll kind of be the first round. Following that, we'll draft the reserves where I'll have first pick. Those people are Anthony Davis, Damian Lillard, Nikola Jokic, Clay Thompson, Carl Anthony Towns, Russell Westbrook, Victor. Ol- okay, we can talk about this real quick before we go on. But Victor Oladipo, are we going to pretend he's healthy? Are we going to – you want to just replace – he's either going to be replaced with D- D'Angelo? D'Angelo or Jimmy Butler. Should we pretend it's both of those and you can pick one of right, those? Right. Let's just do, do that. Yeah, okay. yeah. So we'll say deloading Jimmy Butler, yeah. you can pick one of the two mm-hmm. as either, you know, if you choose that. Bradley Beal, Blake Griffin, Ben Simmons, Nikola Vucevic – Uh, Kyle Lowry, LaMarcus Aldridge, and Chris Middleton. Right. So, and I was interesting, before we start, I know I don't want this podcast to go on for two hours. Yeah. But this is fun. When you were thinking about these players were you thinking in terms of this is the team i would want to have in in a, to win me an nba championship were you thinking these are the guys i would want to play with if i'm an nba player or were you thinking this is who i would want to win an all-star game where you know defense will be a little bit lacking you know so
0: i wasn't thinking about the i wasn't thinking about the latter at all so what i was thinking of more is if my guys versus your guys, would my guys be able to beat guys? So you're just going. Your it's a one in game, a, a one who, game, yeah. game like playoff scenario yeah. situation.
1: I I did think of that, but the one thing I I want to say before as we go on, I did think about like if I who would I like to play with. Mm-hmm. I wasn't just thinking about winning. I was thinking about who would I have have fun with. Who do I want just right. on my team as part of it too. Mm-hmm. So. LeBron James with with the first pick. Uh who are you ta- are you going to keep track of this just? Yeah, I'll keep okay. tra- I'm keeping track.
0: All right. So with the first pick of the All-Star game um I don't know, All-Star game draft draft um LeBron James's team we are taking James Harden. Wow. Yeah. I'm surprised taking James Harden. I think is kind of to reward what he's done in the MVP season. Not the most fun player to play with, honestly, because he's so ball dominant. But I think he definitely opens up when he he definitely opens up when he he's surrounded by more talented players, and like we know, he can come off the bench because of what he did with OKC in his like six man role. So he's willing to take role uh his role. Yeah. So it's not like he'll be like pigeonholed somewhere. So I go with James Harden.
1: Interesting. He he wasn't who I would have taken first overall. So I will get my first overall pick Giannis Um, And I'll actually reunite with I think who I think this happened in reverse as picks last year. I'm taking Steph Curry. Mm-hmm. Um I just want Steph Curry on my team. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I I He's going to be an offensive, a gigantic offensive weapon. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's also going to be able to be a point guard who gets other people involved, and I think just is got a great, great in terms of as a teammate, as a as a win, a person who contributes to winning basketball, and. Uh, I've, for kind of the fun factor, I think he he checks all three boxes. So Steph Curry is is the number two pick in the in the All Star draft.
0: So the number three pick in the All Star draft, I'm taking KD. Yeah, yeah, that's who
1: I I actually thought you were gonna take KD first.
0: Yeah, so I'm taking KD, and I mean he's a shooter. He can he makes big shots. I mean, I'm liking my three guys so far. Basically, so yeah. who who do you have number four?
1: In f- With the fourth pick, it's interesting. I did have someone else at the top, but now uh, things have kind of got shifted. I'm stuck between two guys. But to match up with you th- as best I can, I'm going to take Paul George here. I can put him on the wing he's going to be a f- fucking dog defensively. I can put him on uh on either Durant or LeBron and kind of expect him to hold his own. And he's been pl- he's been hot this year. He's arguably would be kind of in that 3-4 range in the MVP voting. A uh, great shooter and I just think he's going to be really really competitive and and match up and not be afraid of taking it to your guys.
0: All right. So with this next pick, wow, I am caught in between a couple – wow, this is tough – couple different players. Let's see. All right, so with the fifth pick in the all-star draft, I am officially taking Joel Embiid.
1: That, yeah, I think that was a good move for you.
0: Mm-hmm. So he gives us that big man – possibility. It really fills out the floor. Um, super talented. So I take Joel Embiid. Um, and then Andrew gets swung over for the sixth pick.
1: So, so far my team's Curry, Giannis, and Paul George, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's hard uh, for me to keep... I'm just yeah, yeah. trying to kind of keep... I'm keeping
0: track right now. Curry, Giannis, Paul George.
1: It's... Uh, So we'll say this. I'm going to get stuck with Kemba Walker. That's fine. Yeah. Because he's the last pick. So given that, I like Kyrie a lot, and I think he would be enjoyable to have kind of on my team. But because I'm going to be stuck with Kemba, and I just think he'll be a good scoring guard, I'm Mm going to take Kawhi here. I think that'll... Giannis kind of... I'm going to be playing a lot of Giannis Curry and, I mean, a lot of Giannis PG and Kawhi together just kind of in that two through four position interchangeably, gigantic wings, great perimeter defense. I'm going to go all in on that, especially given the fact that, I can get a good big man as my first pick, as as in in kind of the bench round. Right. So I'm going with Kawhi.
0: And I I guess I have Kyrie. So the starters are listed as this. So I, my starters are Kyrie at the point, shooting guard's gonna be Harden, small forward's gonna be KD, LeBron is that power forward, and then Embiid's at center. So. Pretty balanced team, I feel like. Yes.
1: And I uh, I'm I'm a little bit more um kind of uh I don't have a big man basically. i have Kemba probably playing the two. I have Curry at the one and then Giannis, PG, and Kawhi. But I'm assuming that I don't have to play my starters completely starters minutes. I can right. probably take out Kemba early on and put in my big man uh who I'll be taking with the first round of the bench. Uh, round what? A, I yeah, yeah. The first pick the round. I'm taking Anthony Davis, who yep. I think will you just match up really well right. against Embiid, uh, and will be uh, a high t- caliber big man. I think arguably, I got a better big man in an AD in my bench round than you did at, at in the starter round. Although, mm. given how they've played this year, it's it, you, arguments could be made for both.
0: So with. The second pick in the reserves round. Wow, this is. This was pretty tough, but I'm sorry, Andrew. I'm taking Dame. I would have
1: taken Dame next. Yeah. yeah
0: I'm taking Dame. And I just think he, he just provides so much off the bench. He'd yeah. be that perfect six man. Like, just throw him the ball. He gets hot. And that's it. Yeah. As
1: As we get in, I agree with you. And I just want to say it's kind of cool how he's. How Lillard's cachet in the league has changed over the years remember he was an all-star snub for many years like there was always like the kind of like him or conley question like Mm -hmm. things along those lines and i think and and when he did make the all-star team last year he played a decent amount but um he was even when he was making the all-star team he was kind of one of those last guys off the bench type player and now i think he's a bona fide i think that's a completely fair selection Mm -hmm um and just as a, as we continue on um when i'm picking bench guys i'm thinking kind of about who am i picking as a guy who can possibly steal mvp you know what i mean right, right, right. who can come in and maybe get really really hot mm-hmm. and and play you know well and possibly kind of be that best guy so with that i'm actually going to zag where we're... Some people would think Isaiah. I'm taking Clay Thompson. Okay. I just an absolute flamethrower who might be able to get hot and just win me win me the game on on his
0: own. That's a interesting interesting pick because I think I was gonna take him next actually. Um. So with this pick, I'm actually gonna take someone really fun. I'm gonna take the Joker. I'm taking Nikola Jokic. I would have taken him next. Um, yeah. He. He's like the player I think most people would want to play with in an all-star game. He passes the ball really well. He can rebound, and he it, he makes all these creative passes that a lot of people can't see, especially from a position that's really not expected to pass the ball like he does. So I would take Jokic at that spot
1: now uh, agreed and I think he was the best overall player on the board it would be int- I, that's why it'll be interesting in general because he hasn't made an all-star team to see how Jokic integrates into kind of the the uh setting of an all-star game would right. his abilities would his kind of strengths be negated by the fact that there are so many great players on the floor but mm-hmm. but we'll see to match up this is interesting that I'm taking this guy because he wasn't even necessarily an all star, all star lock, but I think he's gonna be able to get buckets and also now will match up against your kind of big men of Embiid and Jokic. I'm taking Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, I think that was. A smart I just pick. think he's the best big man left on the board. Matches up. Will match up well and also arguably is the best pure scorer left on the board.
0: Yeah, I think. Okay, so with this next pick, it might be a little bit.
1: Can I guess who you're taking? You're taking Westbrook.
0: Yes, I am. I'm taking Westbrook. I would have taken Westbrook um, also. Just talent wise. And it goes back to the factor of this guy's super competitive at like really random things, and he'll definitely raise the level of competition. Um, in an all-star game and he just won't really care it's an all-star game <laughs> he'll just be uber competitive and really go after it so I'm choosing Westbrook and I'm really liking that uh, backcourt um, coming off the bench
1: yeah um, agreed and I actually would you agree I think things kind of start to fall off a little bit here little just bit, in terms yeah. of pure prestige I have a couple different directions I could go here uh, but I'm actually going to go with Bradley Beal as my next player. Okay. Um, I'm just kind of continuing with that theme of like, just can come up, just can come in and get get me some buckets. I think it would actually be fun to have him play a little bit of point with with Clay. You mm-hmm. could play Curry and Beal with each other, and then play Kemba and Clay together. I just think I'll have a lot of good interest in guard versatility and just a ton of guys who can score. Mm.
0: So with the next pick, I'm taking Blake Griffin. I'm just loading up on these like these dudes that can like pass the ball, do a little bit of everything. And he's he's played extremely well this year, probably his best season ever. And he's been quietly doing that at in Detroit because no one really wants to talk about Detroit at all. Um, but he's been imp- really impressive. He's added a three-point shot where I think many critics thought he would never be able to add a three-point shot. And he's shooting it some- like very consistently. So that's been super impressive to watch uh, this season.
1: Agreed. Um, yeah, it can't be over. I think we talked about that in our All-NBA uh thing a little bit and i also think even though he's not quite as athletic as he once was he's still a fun all-star game player he maybe he'll get some highlight plays out right, of right him right, right um similar to that vein since i i kind of had been loading up on scores let me get a playmaker here i'll take ben simmons mm. next um You know, just he can come in, he can defend, he can be a versatile defender, not his defensive abilities are maybe a little bit overrated at this point, but can definitely guard multiple positions. And even though he can't shoot, I now have so many guys on my team that can shoot. Yeah. I think it wouldn't be that big of a deal.
0: Yeah. And I think with my next pick, I have to kind of take a shooter. So I'm taking the best one available, I think, Chris Middleton. Wow. Yeah. I would have
1: taken Middleton. I would have saved him for last, just and in terms of pure talent. But I under, I completely I think, understand where you're coming from. I think from.
0: The thinking of on that is maybe pure talent wise, he might be the last one on the list. But in terms of, I would say fit and like just his switchability and his length, and he he's able to make three point shots pretty consistently. He's able to space the floor, and he doesn't need he doesn't need the ball in his hands to do damage. Like, he'll try hard defensively, um, and he'll he'll just space the floor, stand in the corner, and let, like, all my star players do the thing. So um, that's why I take Middleton.
1: Completely fair. Um, But the good thing is I'm going to take someone who's probably not high up on the talent board either to reward him for having a really, really good season and just as kind of an interesting guy that you could throw out there in certain situations, I'm taking Vucevic. Interesting. Um, just a guy, I'm just going to occasionally, if I want to throw it to him on, especially in my bench unit, if I want to, you know, uh, if I want to throw it to him on the block and run things through him, it would be so interesting to watch him in an all-star game. He's going to be one of those guys who doesn't get that many minutes, but the idea of like, just kind of posting him he's been so good in that post-up situation mm-hmm. the idea of just running things out of the posts with like four shooters around him would right. be pretty
0: pretty deadly I think I think it'd also be hilarious if they just like told him to do something that's like not very Vucevic like where it's like all right bring the ball up the court or something yeah. like that and make a play that yeah. would be like that would hilarious be fun. Yeah. I agree just to be able to see something different in the all-star game so with my next pick I'm actually going with D'Angelo Russell. Good. And I'm glad yep.
1: can we just say I really hope that he makes it in over, over Jimmy, Jimmy but- Butler. Jimmy Butler does not deserve to be in the All Star game this year given just everything. The drama.
0: All that drama.
1: But one people forget that I don't know if you remember this, but he made the all star game last year and just didn't play. Yep.
0: Did not Probably play. Probably
1: because he was hungover. Like he was just <laughs> like, I'm good, guys. Like I don't need to play. Yep, did not play. Just in the game. just I think Zach Lowe kind of said it like, no hard feelings, but just just sit this one out, Jimmy. Yep. Maybe next year. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm glad you're taking D'Angelo for that reason. Come on, give me give me some G-
0: D'Angelo love. Give me like just fifteen to thirty seconds of, yeah, of D'Angelo's what he's been, doing here. He's just been incredible for this Nets team, especially lately because Spencer Dinwiddie's out for about a month and a half or so and Karis Levert has been out and they haven't been back he hasn't been back so D'Angelo is really carrying this team and like there's just like all these pieces that are got that have been hurt been injured gone missing and he's really carried the load um and we've talked about this in previous podcasts about whether or not he deserves the deserves an extension and what type of money he deserves um, but he's really performed to, I think, his abilities as that second pick in that draft, where I think a lot of people, especially with all the stuff negative stuff that was coming out about him, he has really f- started to fulfill his potential. and i'm start I'm getting very excited about the possibility of him um, being on net for years to come. So I just hope he continues this hot streak. And then I'm I'm just really excited about what the Nets possibilities are for the playoffs this year. Because it looks like they're going to be solidly within the playoffs. yeah, And they're solidly the sixth seed right now.
1: Cool. And I, I don't fault you for taking him at all. I think the, these last two guys are kind of boring. I'm taking Kyle Lowry. Really, for no other reason than I think I'm good on big men and I don't really want LaMarcus Aldridge. <laughs> Although he's fine. LaMarcus Aldridge is, is a good player. He's just incredibly... Like, he'll do things for your team. Like, kind of the same thing with Vucevic. Like, you can right. post him up and he'll get some buckets. But, I mean, yep. whatever.
0: I mean, he's whatever. S- so, here's
1: an interesting... Just just to let you know, there's actually some breaking news. Oh, breaking Not news. Non-trade news. Okay, related okay. to the All-Star game. Mark Stein announced that... Miami's Dwayne Wade and Dallas's Dirk Nowitzki have been named special roster additions for the all-star game Ooh, and wow. will play in the game. So they'll be part of this. So this they're, they're the also. 13th man. Yeah, I guess. exactly.
0: Yeah. And little like tribute to them as they retire. Yeah, it'll be year. fun.
1: I'm sure. What, will LeBron just take D Wade first overall? over? Yeah. That would be hilarious. Be
0: yeah. Yeah. I could totally see that happening. That would be really, really funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think it was the right move. I think the NBA does a really good job of kind of, I guess, honoring agreed. their yes, their, their exactly star players say. of the yeah. past. So it's it was a really nice gesture for that to happen, um, especially with them both retiring at the end of the season.
1: Yep, agreed. So why don't you run? Why don't you run down? Let's just do this. Run down your team and just name. Just give me one thing you'd be interesting interested to see kind of maybe two guys you'd be interested to see how they play together or one lineup or or something
0: like that so I have on my team LeBron KD James Harden Kyrie Irving Joel Embiid as my starters Nikola Jokic LaMarcus Aldridge Damian Lillard Russell Westbrook Chris Middleton Blake Griffin and then D'Angelo Russell I think with this team, like, my starters are clearly way talented. Like, if it was a playoff game, I'm probably playing them 40 minutes minutes in the game, and then the other guys will supplement in. Like, I'm extremely happy with the way the the top five looks. My bench doesn't look as great. Yeah, I think
1: your starters are better and my bench is better. Right. Doesn't look as
0: great. Like in this hypothetical game, it it would just be fun to see like Harden, Durant, and Westbrook all yeah. on the same team. Yes. Like I just, didn't like, even realize ju- that just to, that is fun. Yeah, just to re and I kinda had that in the back of my mind as I wanted to to gather all three of those guys together just to see the unfulfilled potential of what OKC could have been back then. And then on this team, like who takes the last shot? Because, like, in this theoretical game, like, does LeBron just kind of, like, ice people out and not... Or, or does no, he, like, I think does you'd be hoping right LeBron
1: play? goes into LeBron facilitator mode where he's just be Like, he's
0: hunting, kind of, for, I'd be, for other guys. I guess I'd be more worried if James Harden had the ball and he'd be looking out for his True. shot. So maybe that that was the worry. But, uh, yeah, it'd be... In- like, if I were... If I were to draw up a play, I think I would just give it to KD and mm. just let him close. But interesting. Yeah, it'll be it would be interesting to see what would happen. No,
1: it is kind of now that I'm looking at this. Like we kind of had philosophical defense in, uh, differences in our team. So my starters are Kemba, Curry, Giannis, Paul George, and. Kawhi. I'm probably starting Giannis at the five, which would be interesting yeah, uh, yeah. to see for a few minutes. And then my bench is A D, Clay, Towns, Beale, Simmons, Vucevic, and Lowry. And I think I just have better playmaking Shooting. when it comes to those bench guys like that I can right. bring in. I think that's actually the strength of my team. Like there are just a lot of interesting guys who can probably be indiv- individual mismatches especially if 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 it came time to be playing those bench units but the interesting thing about me is kind of i don't really have those alpha dogs as much i right, kind right. of have guys who who were just great team players, so uh-huh. I think that would be interesting. I think if it came down to a last shot, you're running some sort of action
0: with Curry and and Giannis, which would I still think be pretty deadly. But yeah, uh, yeah, it would it would be really interesting to see. I think you just kind of give the ball to Curry and then see like maybe maybe have Davis out there as well, and then yeah, I think a lineup like with
1: like my closing lineup would be Curry, Giannis, PG, Kawhi, and AD, which I think would be pretty nasty. Like just defensively that yeah.
0: that's like ridiculous with the four guys out there and then Steph Curry kind of like yeah. oh, like trying to stick with the, his man. But yeah, defensively, I don't know how you score on that team really yeah. like that that's ridiculous. So it was like a fun exercise to do. Yeah, that was do. fun. Um yeah, comment I guess and see who you think has a better team, yeah. who you think would win Yeah. And we'll see how this win.
1: compares to the actual to right. the actual draft, right.
0: which is actually airing On television this year, which is going to be fascinating because last year it hadn't been televised and people were like, why wasn't this televised? And I wonder if like all this NBA drama slash politics comes into play with like the order as to how they're drafted, things like that. I think
1: that's great, though, because it can affect the game also. Right, right. I want like what Russell Westbrook feeling dogged or Damian right. Lillard feeling dogs because one of them gets picked over the other. Or like, like how sensitive these guys are.
0: Like yeah. I wonder if LeBron just kind of like like chooses um chooses uh Kyrie first or something like mm. that. Be like, Hey Kyrie, I'm still here in LA. Yeah. You wanna come over yeah, here? That'd be like, wild. Like just like these little Micro moves where they're pointing to the larger picture of the M- NBA, and and it brings us full circle to what we talked about today, and how like the NBA is like, and you sent me this text about how the NBA has become drama for men. Yeah, or it's uh, the
1: soap opera yeah, for soap men. Yeah, soap opera for men. But yeah. yeah,
0: so like it's like things that we sh- like can't get enough of watching this stuff and following it. So it's just amazing to kind of have all this news come in and it's play. funny
1: because at the end of the day the Warriors are probably winning the championship but yeah. now we have so much stuff to kind of keep us satiated and stuff to kind of ponder that it, it, it keeps things interesting yeah
0: and it makes next offseason a lot more interesting because of what the Knicks have done um, to their cap situation and to see if Kevin Durant actually leaves the Warriors and most likely, them winning third straight title of like, is he gonna have the balls enough to like leave that type of situation and try to accomplish something new with the Knicks? So I'm really fascinated to see how yep. that story. That's plays how out. we're gonna end
1: every podcast. Yep. Is gonna be like, and will KD leave? Yeah, Thank yeah. you. See you and next it's, week.
0: Yeah that that question's always gonna be lingering until that. Uh, free agency opens July 1st. So
1: I thought we could, I generally come up with something to kind of try and close with. I thought we could do this. It'll be a quick hitter and kind of can be a like looking forward to the trade deadline thing because we didn't talk about either of our teams. Right. I thought we could outline one move you'd like to see the Nets make. I'll say one move I'd like to see the Blazers make, hmm. or maybe do you want them to stand pat? I can go first if you. Yeah, want. you can go first because I'm going to try and do obviously like AD or someone like that. Is uh-huh. I want to see the Blazers make a move for Nikola Mirotic. Yeah. Um, I hopefully that looks something along the lines of like a first rounder and a second rounder. Hope and you know maybe Harkless goes goes over there maybe it becomes a three-team deal where Harkless goes somewhere and you give up a first round or get Miritich I just think that would be awesome uh I think it would really move their ceiling in a tangible way not necessarily like making them a favorite to make it to the Western Conference Finals, but I think it greatly helps them in a playoff series, and it's a move they can... We'll see what the bidding's like. I think Philly's going to be very interested in them. Yep. They need to make a move on the on kind of when it comes to shooting or that wing. Uh-huh. Uh But I think it's a move they could make to kind of shore things up in a very meaningful way without hopefully giving up too much. It would be really cool to see a lineup of... Lillard, M- McCollum, Aminu, Miritich, and Durkic. I think that would be so pretty good. So you'd probably be sweet. giving
0: up like Harkless and an unprotected first for. Yeah. Mira. I would b- do that yeah. in a heartbeat. Yeah. It would be interesting. I think it would be pretty fascinating to see what happens. Moves wise, like around the NBA, because like I don't. There's things that we can't even predict right now that of are probably gonna happen. And hey, just, like, as we
1: were, no, nothing's gonna be, I think be made today. But Mark Stein's talking about Conley to the Jazz. Like, there's so much stuff that yeah, has yet to yet to be decided. Ru- that
0: rumor has been kind of floated of out there because the like Conley, Conley Donovan Mitchell pairing would. Be yeah, nice, I think it makes Rubio, a lot of sense for them to send be send out honest Rubio, with you. It would be. Would be an interesting move on their part, and they're kind of like, "All right, Conley, Mitchell, and yeah, Gobert that's our big three. Our big three, and we'll see how far they can take us."
1: But there's so much left to be discussed. I'm sure we'll come back yeah. after the trade deadline. R- but yep. what do you give me a Nets move?
0: I think Nets move wise, I'm I, I'm hesitating to find something that I I kind of want them to stay stand pat because I'm a little bit worried about them speeding up their timeline to to make a move at this point. But
1: let's say this. They're the sixth seed, and the three seed's either going to be, like, the Pacers, maybe the Sixers. Probably not.
0: It's probably going to be the Sixers or the Celtics because the Pacers will fall out with uh, Oladipo.
1: (laughs) They're so far ahead, they they might fall to four.
0: Could the Nets get up to five? There's, like, four games in between. So let's say
1: this. Do you think there's – is there a value – Is there a move the Nets could make that you think could get them up to five and have them win a playoff series? Because if you can win a playoff series, that's pretty fucking cool.
0: Yeah. I mean, and
1: maybe there's something you can do where you don't mortgage the future that much to make.
0: Honestly, like, for me, like, as long as they make the playoffs and get playoff games within that building with this iteration of a team, I'd be happy. Like, I just want to see Karis Levert. Are you going to go NBA to a playoff
1: and... game? If they knock on wood, we're getting yeah. so ahead. Of oh ourselves. my God.
0: Yeah. Non-con-wood. Hopefully. Um, i read an interesting article, not to go too long into this, but like an interesting article on how them signing an extension with Dinwiddie has kind of affected the way their cap plays out because of that taking away from their cap and then them of af- it's it's affecting like how much money they'll have in terms of ha- uh, signing guys this summer, and then because of the Russell deal. Yeah, that's what they up, d-
1: what they decide to do with Russell is going to be. W- I don't want to go down this rabbit hole, right, right. but uh, what they decide to do with Russell is going to be absolutely and fascinating. And, and
0: I think that's where, if you're a Nets fan, do you just kind of be like, let's sell high on Russell and mm. and try to get what we can right now for him, and. We're rolling with Spencer Dinwiddie and Karis Levert as our top two guys.
1: I think Dinwiddie get hurt getting hurt, unfortunately. Hurts that possibility. Yep,
0: and I think that's a scary possibility because then who, are th- who are th- we're gonna rely on? Shabazz Napier for your month. Shabazz is the um, man. Exactly. Shabazz is the man. So I feel like that's the <laughs> note that we can end on there. And yeah, yeah.
1: The future, as always in the NBA, uncertain, but uh we're excited for it. And I'm sure we'll be back soon enough right. with some other unforeseen move to I talk know. about. We'll
0: it. we'll probably be back post trade deadline next week, which is February seventh on Thursday is that Thursday, I believe. Yep. Next Thursday. So we'll probably be back maybe next Thursday, next Friday to break all that stuff down. Cool. So, Thanks a lot, guys, for listening, and if you guys haven't subscribed yet to the podcast, please subscribe and like it as well. So thanks for listening as always, and uh, can't wait to talk about more NBA next week.